Let Jesus detox your soul. You'll be better for it, and so will all of your relationships. This is the seventh message in the series, Whose Friend Are You? The message is entitled, Detox Your Soul. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to talk this weekend and next weekend as well. It was not the plan to do so, but this, but I am going to do it. I'm going to break this message tonight actually into two parts. I want to talk to you about a very essential aspect of you and your relationships. I want to talk to you about the detoxification of your soul. It might sound like an interesting topic when it comes to relationships, but it's so vital. What I noticed this morning as I was going back over my notes again for this weekend's message, and I was studying and reflecting upon what I'd prepared for this weekend, I, uh, I quickly realized that what I needed to do to get the best out of the teaching is to take what I'd prepared for you instead of trying to sort of cram everything down our spiritual throats this weekend. I'm just going to slow down a little bit. And I'm going to tell what was designed as my introduction for this message is going to be my entire message. And that's how big the introduction was, okay? So I'm going to take the introduction of my message tonight, and I'm going to lay some foundations for this whole idea of how you and I can detoxify our souls and how it relates to relationships. And then next weekend, I'm going to really dive into some of the nitty-gritty elements of this in a very, very practical way. Tonight will be practical as well. But what I'm going to say to you tonight, this weekend is something that every Christian needs to understand. That's why I wanted to take time and go through it very, very diligently. It's good for you to know what I'm going to share with you tonight. It's also good for you to be able to share this with other people. If you're a Christian believer, maybe you'll know some of the things I'm talking about tonight. It's still good for you to know how to share these things with others because there will be times in life that God wants you to be the minister to someone else. It's not just about receiving ministry, but being equipped for ministry. And God wants to make you a minister to other people. There are a lot of people that you know that I will never know. There are a lot of people you will connect with that the church will never connect with. And so you, as the church, are extended into the world around us to be ministers of Jesus Christ, every believer being a minister. And so you need to be equipped for ministry. And I believe that uh, this weekend's message is not only going to help us individually, minister to us, but I also do believe it's going to equip you to be effective in ministry to others as well. Having said that, let's review something very quickly. We're talking about friendships, relationships. As I've said before, apart from your relationship with God, there's nothing more important in your life than your relationships with people because your life in large part is being assembled piece by piece through the most significant relationships in your life. You may not realize it, but your life is being built by the people that are around you. The people that are interacting with you, the people you're interacting with, they're, they're adding to your life or taking from your life. They're building you or they are destroying you. And all of us can look back in our own lives and we can identify people who've helped build us along the journey and perhaps some people that have taken some things away from us in terms of the journey. Their influence has been far more destructive than productive in our lives. And the key thing to building right relationships is not first and foremost choosing the right people as friends, but the most important thing in a relationship is being the right person. Because if you'll become the right person, if you'll develop your life as it needs to be developed, you will attract the right kind of people to your life. Because healthy people build healthy relationships and healthy people attract healthy people. So the healthier you are, spirit, 
psychologically, emotionally, every realm of your life, socially, the healthier you are, the greater chance there will be for you to attract the right kind of people who will add to your life and you can add to theirs as well. It's also true that hurt and hurting people always hurt other people. So if you're hurt and hurting, you're going to hurt somebody else. And I will say it this way, based upon the topic we're looking at this weekend, poisoned people poison people. Let me say that again. If you're poisoned in your life, you're going to poison other people in the journey. And so you need to get healthy. We need to get healthy so that we're generating health in our interactions. We need to get rid of the poison in us so that we're not poisoning the people around us. And so we need some soul detoxification. We need to get some of the poisons out of our system as it's been accumulated over time because toxic people build toxic relationships. Now, so that we're all together, let me give a basic definition for what I mean by toxic. So we're all on the same page. It's always great to know our definitions. So when I'm using the word toxic to basically define anything that is, as I just mentioned, poisonous in a relationship, or we might say venomous, sometimes venomous. It has to do with the attitudes that get interjected into an interaction, or anything that contaminates a relationship that makes it dysfunctional in any manner. And so dysfunctional relationships are created by dysfunctional people, and that relates to toxicity or poison or contamination in the relationship. And again, when our souls are contaminated, our relationships are. Take a look at this verse. I'm going to walk you through a number of verses this evening. And I want you to know what Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, because it's really, really important that we grasp these verses, and I'll go through tonight. Above all else. What what do you think that means? Above all else. Let me see if I can find one that's working here. Hopefully this one is. Nope, none of them working. Let's see if my finger works. All right, just imagine I'm drawing on the board, okay? I'm not sure what's going on with that. But above all else, guard your heart for everything you do. What's that next word there? Flows. Everything you do, what's the word again? Flows from it. I want you to think in terms of your heart being a container that carries life experiences with you. Inside of you, everybody has a heart. I'm going to use the word soul and heart uh, synonymously, and we'll talk more about that in just a few moments. But in your heart, in your soul, you you, you have accumulated stuff. You carry it with you everywhere you go. You're carrying, we often refer to it as good stuff or bad stuff, or sometimes we talk about people's baggage. We're talking about the stuff that you carry around with you in your heart. And so the Bible says, above all else. Now, I would say that's a pretty strong phrase. Would you agree with me? As a priority of your life, if your life is going to go well, it's coming from the book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom. Above all else, do what to your heart? Guard it. Why? Because everything you do, where does it come from? Your heart. So what's in here, the container of your life, you're living your life out of the contents of that. So above all else, guard that. Now, when it comes to your heart, Everybody starts out in the world with a heart problem. Everybody. I have one. You have one. We all have one. And the the Apostle Paul tells us what that is in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. What does it say? For all have 
sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so here's where we enter into our world. Every person born into the world is born under the curse of sin. We're all born as sinners, as innocent and beautiful as a little baby looks, and indeed they are gorgeous little babies. We love them and we value them and we train them, yet there's a nature in them that needs to be transformed by God called a sinful nature. I will prove it to you. You don't have to teach a child to misbehave. You have to teach a child to behave. You don't have to teach a child to lie. You have to teach them not to lie. And so uh, while they're sweet and innocent in many ways and beautiful, they still, every human being, you, me, all of us, we are all, all have what? sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we come into this world with toxicity. Everybody. You enter into this world, I entered into this world contaminated by sin. Everybody does, all right? So we have this issue. And when Jesus came from heaven to earth, he came as the Messiah, the Son of God. He came to save us from our Sins. We sometimes say Jesus came to save your soul, okay? He came to redeem your soul, to save us from our sins or to save our soul. Now, if my pen was working tonight, it's not, but I would draw three concentric circles here. I sure wish it was working. But that center circle... Every human being is a three-part human being. You sit there tonight, you're generally kind of conscious of your thinking and you're conscious of your body, but you don't realize that most of us don't realize that there are three things going on inside of us right now. There are three elements to our lives. We're created in the image of God, and God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so every human being has three dimensions. We are spirit, soul, and body. Say it with me. We are spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is your innermost being. It's the deepest part. It's how you relate to God. It's how God relates to you. It is eternal. It will never end. You have a spirit that is, when you come into this world, it is dead. You're dead because of your trespasses and sins, and that's where you need to be born again. We'll get into that again in just a moment. And so you have a spirit, or you are spirit. You have a soul, or you are a soul. Your soul represents your mind, your will, your choices and your emotions. And I'll talk a bit, I'll get more about each of these in a bit. And then you have your body. And your body is a temporary tent. That's all it is. You're living in a tent. This is what carries you around. And so one day, if you're born again, if you know Jesus as Lord of your life, you're going to get a different body. Can anybody say amen? Can't wait for that day, right? Okay. So we're going to different bodies, not going to have any ailments, any of those kind of things. But it's extremely important that you understand that your spirit, soul, and body. By the way, I am talking about relationships. It may not sound like it, but I am. I'm going to get there, right? So spirit, God, soul, your, your, your mind, will, and your emotions, your body carries it around and is how your, your external expression to the world around you. Now take a look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He's talking about Jesus here, and he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. How many of you would say tonight, even though you've never seen Jesus, you still love him? Amen? Okay, right? Come on. Let me ask it again. That was about, two thir about a third of you. How many of you, though you've not, and, and, uh, nobody's seen him like they did during the days of uh, him walking on the planet, though you've not seen him yet, you still what? 
You love him. That's why we worship tonight. That's why we come and sing songs about him and we honor him and we praise him. We try to live a life that's pleasing him because we love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Have any believers here tonight? Yeah, got some believers here, okay? Even though you do not see him, you now believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are, what does that word say? You are, that's a present tense, it's an ongoing activity. If I say you are walking, that means that you're in the process of walking. You're moving somewhere. So it says you are, you are what? Receiving the end of your faith. What does it say now? The salvation of your what? Of your soul. Now, how are we created by God? Spirit, soul, and body. Now, it's extremely important that, that here, as Peter writes it, he described, he didn't talk about the salvation of your spirit, although that's important and that's very true. But here in this particular context, he talked about the salvation of your soul. See, our biggest problems in the world, all of your biggest problems have to do, generally speaking, with your soul issues. Anybody ever have a mind that gives you a problem? Does your mind ever bother you? Mine does, okay. How about your will? Do you ever make bad choices? You don't even know what choice to make, right? So you try to do this, and am I doing the right thing? I don't know. And Anybody made any bad choices? Don't raise your hand here. Okay, we've all made bad choices, right? And so in your emotions, anybody struggle with some, some difficult feelings sometimes, right? Sometimes your feelings are up and sometimes they're down. So mind, will, and emotions, that's your soul. And so when it comes to living on the planet Earth, much of what we do involves our souls. That when we interact with each other, we interact with each other on the basis of our souls. When I say I want to get to know you, I'm not talking about just... In, in a spiritual sense or just a physical sense, but I want to know you. I want to know how you think. I want to know how, how you process decisions, how you live your life. Let's say I want to get to know you. That's, I want to understand how your soul functions. It's quite interesting that the word soul that is used here in the scripture, this word soul is, get back here again. I've got a problem here tonight, all right? This word here, my goodness. I mean, I love technology when it works, right? Just pretend you can read that, okay? When you're, the word that's used here in the Greek for soul is psyche. Anybody recognize that word? Psychology, psychiatrist, words like this. And so here the scripture says that we need to be saved where in our Help me out. I know it's been a while since you've been in church. It's okay. I can hear you through your mask. Go ahead, all right? So what does he say? We need, where, where do we need to be saved? In our souls. Good. Thank you so much. That helps me a lot, okay? So even Jesus talked about this. He says, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul, okay? And so your soul is very important, and your soul is the container. Your soul is the heart, if you will. It's what you've experienced or put into your life through the years, through the experiences and the thought processes that you've gone through. And so God says to us, what you need in your life is you need, yes, to be born again, but you also need to be saved in your soul. So you can be born again and still have a lot of a lot of dysfunction in your soul. Got to get an amen right there. 
You can be born. There's a lot of people who are going to heaven when they die because they've met Jesus and they're covered in the blood of Christ and they, they know what it means to have him as their Savior and Lord in their life. But in their soul, they still are quite dysfunctional, quite broken in here. And so what we need is the salvation, not just of our spirit, that's going to heaven. We need the salvation of our soul because that's where we live now and now. See, the eternal experience of heaven, that's going to take care of itself. It's the nasty now and now where we have to live, right, in our soul interaction with people around us. The word for salvation that is used there in the original language is a word that means to set free. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your soul was just completely set free of all of its baggage? Can I get an amen right there, okay? If you didn't carry around all that stuff that you and I carry around, fear and guilt and shame and frustration and anger, all this stuff that gets bottled up inside of our soul, wouldn't it be wonderful if we experienced the salvation of our soul? And here it talks about the fact, in fact, it's very clear. Now we got it fixed, okay? He talks about the fact that, well, that one's not fixed, okay? We'll figure it out as we go through. That we are receiving, notice it's a process, we are receiving. So the salvation of your soul isn't an instantaneous thing, it is a process. And I'll come back to that in a few minutes as we talk about it. Let's go to our next verse. Now notice what the psalmist said about this. The psalmist understood this. The psalmist David got this. He grasped this. He prays a prayer like this. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation because I think it gives a really nice flow to, to the essence of what this Hebrew was about. He says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart into my soul, examine me through and through and find out everything that may be, what? Hidden where? Within me, put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares, see if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. So the psalmist David understood. He said, Lord, whatever is in me, notice that phrase that's used back here again, examine me through and through and find out everything that may be hidden within me. Do you know that inside of you and me tonight, there are things that are hidden inside of us that we don't even think about or we don't even talk about, we don't, sometimes I'm unconscious of, that we're reacting to other people out of pain from the past. We're reacting to people out of stuff that's going on inside of us that we never even think about, but it's hidden down inside of us. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants to set you free from that, okay? He wants to heal you there because if he heals you, remember, healthy people build healthy relationships. Functional people build functional relationships. Dysfunctional people build dysfunctional relationships. So the healthier we become, when we get that stuff in our hearts, in our souls cleaned out, then what it does is it allows us to function as God intends for us to function. Let's go now to another verse of Scripture. Psalm 19, verse 12. Why don't you read this together with me? But how can I ever know what sins are lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. That is, get this stuff, Lord, that is hidden inside of me. Help me to get it out of my system. And so I want you to, again to think of your soul as a, if you will, a container 
that you, get, you, you have stuff in. Let's go, just go through your life for a minute. From the time you became conscious of the world around you, you started interacting with people. You started interacting with the world around you. And for some, you had tremendous experiences, loving family, great people around you. But somewhere along the way, as you got more into the world around you, you've had, everybody here has had difficult experiences with people, right? Everybody's been hurt. Everybody's been damaged. If we had time tonight, we could all tell our stories, not story, but stories of the things that you've experienced throughout life that have landed in your soul, okay, got down inside of you. Along the journey of life, as we talked about recently as well in this series, things happen to us that disappoint us. And if we don't deal with them well, what happens is they get they land down in our hearts. They get hidden down in there, and we're carrying disappointments, and sometimes it affects our trust in God because we want to trust in Him, but we've got this baggage that we're still carrying because I remember that time that that happened to me, and if that happened to me, how can I trust God? And all these things begin to spill up and spill over in us and affect the way that we think and our soul, okay? So our, as we go through life, the biggest challenge that we have in life is to get into re, in a relationship with God where he begins to help us process anything inside of us that is holding us back, that is limiting us, that is keeping us from being the functional people that he wants us to be. Now, I'll also say this. None of us are going to be fully functional before we get to heaven. That's what heaven is. Heaven is the only fully functional place that exists, okay? But the goal is to get better and better, to get healthier and healthier, to get holier and holier, amen, because the word holier means part of the meaning of the word holier is whole, okay? So we become whole and healed more and more every year. How many of you would like to look back a year from now, next year, 2022, and look back on 2021, and in 2022, you feel a whole lot healthier in your soul than you were in 2021, amen? Wouldn't that be great? Okay. That's the journey. That's what he was talking about. We are receiving. We're in the process or should be in the process of receiving ongoingly the salvation of our souls. So vital that we understand this. Cleanse me from those hidden faults. Now, let's go back to this next verse here. We'll go to this next verse. Now I'm going to break into helping you to see that this, this process. And this is something, again, Every Christian needs to understand, need to understand it for your own life, understand it in sharing with others. Again, I can't draw on the board, but if I could, I'd again put those three concentric circles, right? Circle here, circle here, circle here. Spirit. Okay. Okay. Your spirit right here. Good. Your spirit, let's talk about that just for a moment. When you come into the world because of sin, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're dead in our transgressions and sins. You're not just bad, you're dead. Okay? Your spirit is not alive. Okay? Your spirit's not alive. But there's a moment when you, having heard the gospel, and many of you can remember this day in your own life, maybe you were sitting in a service somewhere like this, or... Maybe it was right here in this room where it happened to you. It could have been some other church, some other place, or some other setting. But you heard the gospel, and the Holy Spirit drew you to Jesus. Do you remember that day? 
Remember that moment when the Holy Spirit started and said, you need this in your life. And you, in, in your mind and in your emotions, you begin to be drawn. The grace of God began to draw you into relationship with Jesus. Now, important to understand, he will never take over your will. You still have a choice as to whether you want to receive Jesus in your life. When the Holy Spirit deals with you and draws you to Jesus, you can say no, it's not wise to do so. But you can say no to the drawing of Christ. Many people have been dealt with by God and drawn to salvation, but they've resisted and they pushed him away. And you don't want to be in that condition. But most of you here, if not all of you here, when Jesus began to deal with your life, you said yes. Anybody glad about the day you said yes to Jesus? Aren't you glad you said yes to him? And something absolutely miraculous happened to you that day. Okay. Whatever day that was, something miraculous happened to you. You were born again. Are you hearing me tonight? The life of Almighty God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, entered inside of you and your spirit burst alive. You're, that's called the new birth, okay? Your spirit just boom, Wow. And you remember, some of you had significant emotions that you felt. You remember that, oh, wow, it was, felt like your, your, your sins were all gone, and indeed they were, and you had a, a newness of perspective on life, and everything was alive, and the yellows looked more yellow, and the red looked more red, and everything looked just, just alive for you. Why? Because for the first time in your life, your spirit came alive because Jesus came, and he resurrected you from the dead, okay? He brought the newness of life to you. And this is why the Apostle Paul described it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has, and the new is here. I think we just should take a moment, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, and thank him tonight, thank him this weekend for the life of the Spirit inside of you, okay? I don't think we think about that enough. I don't think we focus on that enough as, as, as believers. But the Spirit of God lives in your spirit. You are alive in Christ. You're not dead any longer. You are alive. And Him, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells inside of you. You and I need to grasp that. As the Scripture says, you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us, okay? But that's your, that's your spirit, okay? But you still have a Anna. Now the problem is you got all this life of Jesus here, but you still have some issues. And does your body ever do the wrong things? Huh? Come on. Okay. So your body has a problem, your soul has a problem, but your spirit is alive in Jesus. And so here's what I want you to understand. What, what needs to happen in our lives if we're going to get healthy is that what the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in us now needs to work on our soul and our body to bring it into submission to the spirit of God living inside of us. Anybody getting this tonight? I'm preaching hard. I'm telling you the truth, okay? This is something extremely important to grasp, okay? 
And the problem we get into is not knowing how to let that spirit work in us, the spirit of God work in us that is alive in us, so our, our soul get, begins to be healthier and holier, and our body conforms to what we ought to be doing, which is right and righteous. I'll give it to you this way. The 23rd Psalm. Anybody love the 23rd Psalm? I love the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me, notice this, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my, what's the word? He restores my, and then he makes me to walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Again, I wish I had my pen up here tonight because I could do all kind of artwork for you, I promise you. But what I want you to see is this. The, he makes you to lie down in green pastures, and he leads you beside the still waters. Why? Because he wants to restore your soul. It is the green pastures, and it is the quiet waters. It is the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, and the presence of God as you immerse yourself in the Word of God, and in the Spirit of God, and in the presence of God that begins to do a work inside of your soul, and he restores your soul, and then you begin to naturally, by the presence of the Spirit of God, walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake. See, many people are trying to walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake, but they've never had the restoration of their soul. My goodness, I'm preaching. So you get this restoration that needs to happen in you and me so that we can walk the way we need to walk in our life. Let me tell you something. If you're broken here in your soul, you're going to be broken in your walk. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And then I walk in paths of righteousness. My body starts doing what my body ought to be doing in obedience to God, okay? Now, let me say this before I wrap up. I'm just about done. This was just my introduction. <laughs> now, you know why I had to break it down into two parts, right? If you're here tonight or watching online this weekend, and you have never let Jesus Christ come into your life, you don't know what you're missing, okay? You don't know what you're missing because he wants to make you alive. He wants to come in. See, you're not even alive yet. You don't even really know what life is. You're physically alive, but there's a spiritual life that needs to come to you that you don't even understand until you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, and you never need to be afraid of inviting Jesus into your life because he's not going to hurt you. He's always going to help you, okay? A lot of people, I'm not sure if I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to be one of those religious people. I don't want to be a fanatic. Hey, don't worry about it. What's the, what's the best thing in your life to do is to open your heart to Jesus. And when you do, he'll make you into the person that he created you to be. You've got to have that power in you. See, a lot of times we're trying to, to reform ourselves but you need the power of Jesus to have the healing and reformation of your life and the transformation of your life that you need. And so I would encourage you, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, he wants to come in and resurrect you from the dead. He wants to bring life to you like you've never known before. And then out of that life, he can begin to work on your soul and on your body, on your walk with him. Let me take you to this last verse of Scripture. We're going to be done. Paul writes these words. It's interesting what he said here. He's writing to the Thessalonian believers. I don't have time to talk about who they were, exactly what was going on with them, but 
interesting different dynamics were happening with this group of people, but he's wrapping up his first letter to them, and he says this. It's a benediction, but in the midst of the benediction, he gives us some important theology, okay? It's important thing is truth to know. Now may the God of peace himself, what's this word? Sanctify you. Through and through. Sanctify you how? Would that suggest layers? Right? Are you with me? Okay. That would suggest more than a surface thing, right? I don't want a surface relationship with God. How about you? Okay. A lot of people have a surface. They wear religion out here. Yeah, I'm going to church this weekend. I put my religion on. I don't want that kind. I want through and through, okay? Which means there's some layers that need to be worked on in our lives, okay? So now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. That is, separate you from profane and vulgar things and make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose. And may your spirit and Come on, church, help me, and soul and body. Glad this has a reverse on it. Listen to it again. We're about done here, okay? Now may the God of peace himself, who's going to do it? Himself. Sanctify you. That is That word literally means in the original language to make you whole and holy, okay? Through and through, that is, separate you. It's describing here what it means. This is the amplified version, by the way. Separate you from profane and vulgar things. Make you pure and whole. And uh, let me ask you this. Does any damage inside of you damage your relationships? Yes. And so we go trying to fix relationships, but we don't fix us, okay? And so the best way to fix your relationship is to let God fix you. And when you're fixed, then you bring your better you into the better dynamics of the relationship. That's why this is so valuable. And so make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept be, be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to put a really big comma right there. Next week I'm going to talk to you about four areas of your life where Jesus wants to get in there and begin to restore your soul because these four areas I'm going to talk about are the places where your relationships gets, get mostly messed up, the four things I'll talk about. So you don't want to miss that next weekend. What's the message for this weekend? Remember your spirit soul and body your spirit's never going to be right without Jesus there you're dead, we're dead in our transgressions and sins, you need the life of Jesus living inside of you you've never met Jesus, do that tonight our soul then when Jesus is here in the spirit he begins to work in our soul it's our mind, our will, our emotions everything we relate to other people with and our body, how we live our life in the world Jesus is the one that wants to do that inside of each one of us. Would you join me as we pray together? Father, we're so very grateful for the opportunity that we had this weekend to reflect upon your word, the important process of how you want to bring healing and restoration to our souls, Lord. And so many times we want to do right, but we're broken on the inside and we can't quite get it together and we, we try to fix all the fruit, but we're not dealing with the roots. 
And I pray that in the name of Jesus, you'd help us, Lord God, to begin to discover how to just let you do that work in us and how to cooperate with you so that you can sanctify a spirit, soul, and body so we're kept blameless until the day of Jesus coming back again. I pray that even this week as we're contemplating what we've talked about this weekend, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to gain some insights to our own lives, the hidden places, the things where you want to work, not not in a sense of condemnation or even frustration, but excitement, Lord, of how you want to heal us and make us all that you've called us to be. So, Lord, we commit this to you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.